I mean that a lot of things and positive changes, I mean, towards the, the better democracy here in the country or uh, the better situation for entrepreneurs and uh, uh, the civil rights and, and, and so on. It happens here, not because, you know, we have a really a top, top down decision and we are building that. But frequently it's because of the people pushing the government and it's not a top down, but a bottom up movement. And uh, you mentioned the Maidan, for instance, and finally I can r- recall my experience after Maidan. So after Maidan, I uh, being in Kyiv, I, I returned to Lviv and uh, uh, I and uh, a few of my friends that I met at Maidan already. So friends that, you know, our relationship last for maybe several days. So we started a movement, which is called an economic boycott. When we asked people here in the Western part of Ukraine not to buy products from businesses that were somehow related to party of regions, the party that was led by Viktor Yanukovych. Mm-hmm. And that was a massive movement. That was the way that you can impact the, you know, the business, the society and uh, uh, make them stop doing what they what they are doing or tell them that this is not good. And we had a cases when people, I mean, management of the retail networks, they were trying to contact us and to say, stop this because they really felt that it works, you know, that the, the people are not buying from them and the, their sales, they, they decrease. Later, when the invasion happened in 2014, that group of people, they, and that we created a Facebook group, which is now, I, I think, up to maybe 15 or 20 people already. Uh, so now it works like the just a network that the people can share information and organize with, with each other when needed. But when the invasion happened, I mean, the, the first time that, when Russia attacked the Donbass, we've changed the situation. So in this situation, uh, this boycott of businesses that were related to party of regions was not actual anymore, at least so heavily. So uh, we started to boycott everything that comes from Russia. And when, when I'm saying this, I mean that we created a lot of materials, a lot of offline, how to say it, it's like bulletin or something that informing I mean, it's it's a card where you can, you know, see what, what products are uh, from Russia. Oh, okay. Like a slate, a, you know, a boycotting, a, or a slate of, of businesses or something. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you mean. Yeah. Also people, uh, like other people, not our group, but other people, they, they started to contact the retailers like Oshan or Metro and ask them to mark the goods. So the, the uh, retailers... So there's labels... Yeah. The labels which the product comes from, for instance, Belarus or or Russia, and then you could choose in the, being in the, in the shop in the supermarket that whether I want to buy it from a grasser or not. So that is also very important. Also, after Euromaidan, it you know I understood that this was like a, a feeling of freedom and a freedom of uh, feeling of that we have a chance. It was a, the moment of chance where we had. A chance to transform the country and to do the to make an impact in in the community as well. So, for instance, what I've done, it happened not immediately, but my parents now they live in a village, as I mentioned, uh, 30 kilometers from from Lviv, and I like it's a beautiful place. There is three rivers in that place, so it's uh, wood and uh, forest and incredible place. Uh, the the place. Can I know called... the community? I'll just Google it later. Just I don't <laughs> want to interrupt you, but that, that yeah, that's... but I'll I'll. It's called Ustia. I'll give it uh, give a link to that so you could see. Uh, and w- what we've done there, I had an idea that 
nothing will change in the country. It, the the change will not come from the from the top because unfortunately, not people are selecting sometimes populists and so on. And maybe something will change when the you know when we we have a good elections. But we in Ukraine here, you will once you come here, you will be amazed how strong the you know the the civil society how the civil society is strong here. I mean volunteers, activists, people who created NGOs, different associations, they are working so hard, they were working so hard before war to you know establish better institutions, better democratic processes, to have better place for living, to just impact the 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 way how impact how your environment looks like. I mean how you treat with neighbors. For instance, in our house we created like Maybe this is very common for the U.S. Again, I guess it's very common culturally for the U.S. But for for Ukraine, due to the Soviet period, normally people wouldn't just you know come to each other, neighbors. I mean, and uh, you know having party together and so on. But we've started to uh, initiate such such gatherings so that neighbors could know each each other better. And getting back to Ustia, to that a small village. I wanted to boost the development of uh, civil society, community there, right? And uh, I talked to the priest there and to the, um, I mean, head of the community, administrative role, his administrative role there, representative of authority. Not a mayor and not a, like a commit, not like a, we say a, the CEO a, no, a, of a county. It's a mayor, but it's a very small village. I know what, what, how, what, what would be Like the, a provincial mayor. Provincial mayor, yeah, provincial mayor. So I, I sold them the idea that we need to have this strategic session to unite everyone and to understand how we can, you know, cooperate together, collaborate, and to maybe we can together maybe we can do something better and more than we are doing. In in for instance, the uh, the, the priest he was doing like everything near church. You know, this mayor was doing something with in his part. But there was a lot of youth there who was trying to do something as well, but they couldn't find the, the common ground with, with these people. And the idea was to collect them. So we collect like 100 people, if I'm not mistaken, from the village that has 1,000 people. I mean, they have 300 houses. And we've had three days of strategic sessions to define what will be the future of the village and our community for the next seven years. We've done that in March 2019. And then we had a second session in 2021, in summer 2021, because we couldn't do that earlier because of the pandemic, obviously. But, you know, as a result, we created in that in that village. Uh, now there are one, two, three, three NGOs in that village. I mean, in a small village. Wow! Yes. Uh, one is uh, related to youth NGO that they are, you know, promoting their agenda. Another one is was created by my neighbors, actually, and uh, entrepreneurs who want to develop the tourism there because it's a village, you know, you just come to have uh, to relax there, to have peace there and, and so on. Another one is for the people, fishermen who decided to create an NGO to protect one lake that they have. And they are, you know, giving money to buy fish, to, to put uh, to put it inside, to grow fish there and to enjoy fishing there. So. This is just one case, but in many, many situations, I know from, from my friends, people were, you know, after Euromaidan, they were so inspired to do stuff like that. And I'm even not talking about some 
uh, when when something happens that people don't like on a national level, you'll definitely have someone. I mean, maybe not, I don't know, one hundred people, but um, one thousand people, but uh, maybe not one hundred thousand people. Uh, but uh, 10,000 people will come to the office of the president and they will say that they are not agreeing with his decision, that we should be, you know, for, for instance, we should prepare for the war or we should do some transformation in the, in, in the state and so on. So this is just to the point about the you know, Euromaidan and how it's impacted the, the life, democratic processes in, the, in Ukraine. Many NGOs arise who are trying to, let's, uh, let's say, to, to, to promote democratic agenda, to impact the, the government and to make the government work better. And I know that after Euromaidan, a lot of people, professionals from the corporate environment, right, from businesses, they quit their jobs and they went to, they joined the state. So they joined the state institutions and they made some transformations there. And for instance, today we have this Ministry of Information, not Information Technology, the Minister of Digital Transformation. Uh, maybe this is not the exact translation, but I, it reflects the. So, Ukraine is a very, you know, very modern country in terms of technology, because for instance, we have we can do everything using the the the, the, the phone. I mean, all the banking, the banking here is incredible, incredibly fast in comparison to Europe, for instance, that. You, you can do, we have this application, it's state application available for every Ukrainian. Uh, it's called DIA Action, where you can have all your documents in a digital form. And prior to that, to that application and to the state service centers that were created, you had to go to, you know, some certain building in the town, in the city, stay there in a queue, in a line for two hours, get one paper, then go pay it for, you know, uh, in, in bank and then get back to that building again, give this paper. Okay, now I will, in two, two weeks, I will have, I know, result or something, changing of status in my profile or something like that, right? Now you can do that just, you know, in, in your phone easily. And it's very fast because of, it's so, this is very helpful and it's, it just helps to, you know, to run the business even. So this digital transformation, it created a situation where, where it's facilitated the conditions. I mean, not the tax, uh, tax conditions, but, uh, uh, or regulatory conditions, but technical conditions for running the business for businessmen. And that is fantastic. And government too now. And government and, too. Yeah, and all, government of it, too. all of that. And, 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 and yeah, sorry. So also I want to mention the decentralization. Uh, this one of the, actually, this is the, the reform that was started by previous president. And we are. This is the uh, woman whose name I forget, right? It's her. No, this is uh, Petro Poroshenko. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't have a female president yet, but I hope we will. So I hope we will, <laughs> because I think. But we have, by the way, we have a lot of women that uh, are in police now. We have a lot of women who are in in Ukrainian army. For instance, I didn't speak about that, but, uh, but when... and we're not going to forget the reform thing. We'll get back we'll, to that. We will, yeah, we'll get back to that. Yeah. Okay. But when the war happened, actually, when I moved to Lviv, I decided that uh, you know 
I want to be the, the good, a good citizen. I want to be prepared for the war because I don't believe that, you know, someone will promise peace and uh, it will, you know, just because he promised we'll have it. So I decided to uh, join Ter Oborona. Uh, it's a territorial defense system or, or units. It was in summer 2021. I went to the uh, military, uh, to the military office. Command, that, it's the same word, military command. Command, yeah. Okay. And I said, look, I want to to be trained. I want to, you know, be familiarized how to, to keep weapon, how to work with it, maybe some tactics. Everything that you, you are able to teach, you know, I know that you have programs because uh, a friend of mine, he, he joined the Territorial Defense in Kyiv. So I wanted to do that here in, in Lviv, right? And uh, I was trying to, to get to their office. It was hard. It was challenging. Uh, then I was trying. Finally, I got the number of a person who was responsible for creating those territorial defense units in Lviv, where I live, right? And I was calling him like maybe during during the week. Then I was uh, texting him in WhatsApp and Viber local messages. So I, I here I'm here. I volunteer, and I never received response from him. This was an. This year, or that was this in 2020? Was in 2021. That was 2021. So you were thinking in, in, ahead here, because the war is already started in 2014. Got that. Yeah, so, uh, uh, but exactly. nobody was, there wasn't institutional capacity to take civilians on who were offering military Well, assistance. actually, the former president, he was, you know, he was, uh, he significantly helped to, to, to make the army better. Oh, okay. Because we had this um, Ilovaisky Kotel when lots of Ukrainian soldiers were killed. And that was the real tragedy. And after that, uh, as, at least as far as I know from, from, from military, so that uh, lots of you know, NATO trainers helped to train Ukrainian soldiers. And, uh, and yeah, but anyway, so I was, uh, went there and you know, they didn't want me. They didn't feel that, you know, I'm, you know, 36 years old, comparatively in a good shape, maybe, I don't know, physically, but I want to get better always, but at least, you know, I, I can run and, and, and so on. And nothing, nothing happened. Then when the war happened, I came to the same building, to the same institution to volunteer for territorial defense. And I found that I need, I want to join. And they said, you're too late. We have such a queue. Yeah. Uh, it's like thousands of people, you know, be, be, before me were in, in that queue. And uh, uh, so, so, so you can leave your contacts and we'll call you back once it's, you know, it's uh, actual. And then I've, uh, in the place where I live, we have additional units who are created. So this is a territorial defense units, right? They are part of the Ukrainian army. But also another layer was the volunteering for volunteering formation of territorial defense uh, units, something like that. In Ukraine, it's the abbreviation is DFTH. So these units they are created from civilians who have no clue how to you know fight the war and so on. But they should be trained, and the, the main purpose of that units will be to defend your location, your city, because the idea is that you are trained and you, you have the advantage of knowing the territory better than, you know, than your right, enemy. Right, right. So 
I've joined them. We had several trainings. We were to the uh, working with this AK-47. We were uh, trained some basic, basic tactics. Maybe six times had training on uh, tactical uh, or medicine, how to on March, this March standard, how to provide first aid, medical aid in the combat environment, right? But most of the time we were here in, in Lviv and I was just helping on the checkpoints because at the beginning of the war we had a lot of checkpoints in the city and across the country just to handle the traffic, to, to, yeah. not, to, man- to manage the traffic. And that was totally like volunteering activity in addition to everything else. But why I was mentioning that? Because every time there was a woman on the checkpoint with us, I mean that this females they also they they play so important role and this is again a part of something that describes the society as well that this diversity it, it is now like more visible it's really visible when you're talking about positions in the in, in police in army on top management level and so on but going back to the reform decentralization reforms uh so the main thing that was changed that you know the people the budgets the money uh, after that reform, they were not sent to the to the capital and then distributed by the capital for the you know for the regions, but the regions they were you know accumulating the money and keeping the money on on their level, right? The budget, sending obviously part to the government, but they finally they had an opportunity to to see the real money and to to use them for the sake of the society and the local community, and that was you know people in administrations and and they made a lot because obviously this were not a big money but that was start beginning of the process when you feel that you are an owner you know you can do that you have resources and you can do a lot in your place and this reform is very and, and the decisions so you can make decisions on your level not to wait for someone from Kyiv from the top to tell you and that was the reform that was uh, launched by Poroshenko and it helped very much to, to boost the development of civil society because now the government, the representatives of the power uh, locally, they started to understand that they have some tools, but maybe they don't have the capacity or capabilities to do different projects. And they were they started to collaborate with the civil society, with activists and NGOs. And that happened like in most regions of the Ukraine. Plus, in addition to that, we had the external help from USAID, for instance, right? From Oh, they other, were helpful. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, they were helpful from, from other funds from Europe that actually helped to, to, for instance, to invite real experts who could help you design this collaboration in a better way, right? Or some so stuff like that. And uh, having another piece of the puzzle, which is business, they started to collaborate with civil society, you know, then uh, business and, and the state on this local level, they started to have some common projects. And that that is something that, you know, is very active. And unfortunately, the war uh, made, made changes. Now all these people, they temporarily, I desperately hope that temporarily they have one enemy and one purpose to win the war, right? So all this energy is now focused on that. But we also understand that this is the wrong thinking that first we need to win the war and then we'll build institutions. No, that doesn't work like that. So many people continue building uh, democratic institutions in Ukraine now and collaborating on those on that local level. 
And uh, because not of not people are fighting, not people are in the army. Uh, some are volunteering, but even if you do your job, if you pay taxes, right? If you support the economy, this is already the, your contribution for the victory. And uh, yeah, there is a lot of energy here in Ukraine, and uh, people are very entrepreneurial here. And uh, if you maybe. I've never been to the U.S. and uh, I've well, cannot... you've got places ready for you. Okay, the whole family, right? And no, no, no. no, you got them. You got them in Southern California. I've got you here. <laughs> so, but I mean, I know that the market is—it's hard to compare the level how the market is is developed. But uh, when I look at Ukraine, like now and five years ago or ten years ago, oh my God, the progression is is fantastic and the, the dynamics is is really cool. And uh, we created a lot of people that, you know, that they are not surviving. They are living their life. They are not thinking about the basic needs uh, in, in, in this Maslow's pyramid of Maslow, in the pyramid of Maslow. So they, they want to, you know, uh, to, to do something, to create value. And uh, this creative class or this, this middle class, uh, they are now very, they, they got really, really strong in Ukraine. But to certain extent, they still don't have a political party that represents their interests. This would be the next. So that's step. a missing piece right now. That's, that's essential. Piece. Okay. That that's very essential, and that is something that we didn't manage to create after the Euromaidan. Actually, we we tried and we did. We created the party that was, you know, represented was in the parliament, but it didn't work out. Well, you also have the pandemic that's creating a lot of, you know. You were undermined by that. I mean, I can just all that they call it headwinds is a slang used in the states. So you, no, you all the, these institutions are ready, and then no, and then yes, no. exactly, exactly. Then, so if you think about Ukraine as a young d- democracy, you know, uh, I always do. The, the, the democracy uh, that wants to, you know, to, to get mature, to get stronger, and here you have different, yeah, and here we have different, uh, like uh, I know. Uh, surprises from I don't know from the the god or from the from the world so pandemic and and then invasion and then lots of lots of stuff and also you need to understand that Ukraine was always impacted by Russia I mean the political domain the political sphere the economic sphere the mass media for instance we had this oligarchs right it's another another problem of Ukraine we have they it's control. everybody's problem. Yeah, but they control the media like they have so much control in the U.S. now. It's okay if people aren't like, intellectually honest, they're they're going to dismiss that. But no, so it's it's much more. But you've been living maybe more yeah, under and, their and, lid. You know, longer. a lot of in state on the higher level, on the high levels, in the even military formations, there are a lot of Russian spies or agents of impact. Yeah, and it was yeah. really hard for. It's, it's like democracy that is trying to, you know, spread her wings. But at the same time, it has cancer inside that is, you know, pulling you, you, you down. It's syphilis. So, like syphilis. I know, whatever. No, no, no. I'm just saying it's really, ugh. It's, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and all the, you know, democratic processes, they were in these circumstances. And in addition to that, people don't always, you know, they they voted for the populists in 2000 uh, when they yeah. yeah 
it's for me it's it's ridiculous how this could happen even and but but that we we have what what we have like it's 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 a really cool thing that some of part of the team was uh, a bit cleared that we have that they allowed really professional people to join the team on a you know on, on the top management roles in the army in other spheres and so on and uh, this team i mean the current team they they managed to do uh, incredible work in terms of your integration so how fast they devoted for uh, for the right they made right decisions that allowed European Union to give us the status of the candidate for uh, European Union. So this is big kudos to them. This is really incredible. But there are other zones that we expect more reforms and we expect more transformation. The first one, I think, is the, uh, the legal system. So I think, and I'm very grateful to the US and the UK, especially to the US, because they are do- pursuing this agenda for a long time, that we need a legal, neutral, well-balanced legal system. We need a rule of law, because that's the, the key to everything. Once we have this in place, it means that the system works, it's efficient, it means that everyone are protected uh, in the country from the legal uh, legal point of view, right? And it means that investors will come to our country, because again, the soil here, I mean, the soil, not only in uh, like... Um, literally and figuratively, literally, it's yeah. rich. It's, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's rich. People are, human capital here is incredible. If you take a look at the IT industry that serves... We uh, all know somebody stuff. from Ukraine in Sorry? IT. Everybody knows somebody in Ukraine with IT. I, I just need yeah. to send that back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is why we just, you know, we need to win this war and we hope that we'll grow together and finally spread our wings in the family of democratic, you know, civilized countries, because we don't want to be with, you know, to be, to have some, anything similar, anything in common with, with Russia. And the end of war for us is not, you know, getting to the borders of Ukraine on the, which were on uh, the 24th of February or even with Crimea. And 2014. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not the question because that doesn't solve the problem. The problem is that Russia is a terrorist state, and it will be a threat for a civilized democratic world because this is the war. This is the implication. This is the war between democracy and authoritarian regimes, and they will definitely lose because they their model is inefficient in the long run. They, I, I believe, that they will be demolished, destroyed, whatever. But this is the real, the war, the conflict between these two models. And in Ukraine, you see Russia doesn't need a democratic Ukraine. Democratic, sovereign, and strong Ukraine is is the main, re- is, is the threat, and it will be the start of the end of Russian empire. And this huge territory, 140 million people, they can be well, you know, handled, managed somehow, either when you have a strong hand, and Russia, it's always like the strong hand. There never was a democracy there. <laughs> you know, the real democracy. They had a chance after the fall of Soviet Union. A lot of businesses come to Russia. I was working in two international companies. I mean, corporations, a DuPont, American one. and Right, and right. Mondel- That's in your intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And Mondel- Mondel is international. And in every function of that business, the manager for us was from Russia. But not because this person was qualified better than you or someone else, but just because they were 
from a bigger market, you know. They and, were the proprietor. And we, I myself had an incompetent, uh, uh, unprofessional uh, managers from, from Russia. My colleagues as well. Recently, a colleague of mine, uh, we worked together at DuPont. She's now a CE4. She used to work in finance there. She made a post about dealing with Russians and how in professional environment that they, they are, they always were treating you like, uh, like a lower uh, class of people or or lower professional. You, you you felt it physically, you know. But we lived in this situation when you had to you know to report to that headquarter and so on and uh, uh, many organizations tried to ask for restructuring J- please you connect us to the another region let us be part of eu or eastern europe and so on but but everyone said no 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 that's russia that's bigger market you know and lots of investment there were in but they never managed to build democracy the real democracy i have many i would say friends but people i know from my career working with them in uh, you know, in different organizations. When the war started, I didn't receive even a line, even the one message, one single message from none of them. And uh, so they are so, I don't know, they are afraid. They, and I don't know, because it's, it is really sad. And uh, I mean that my point is the end of the war is not when we, you know, uh, get back to our borders. Right and uh, renew the the control of our territory, but the end of the world for the world is to transform Russian empire because it it couldn't be so. That is why sanctions are so important. That is why uh, these limitations of oil and gas price is important. Yeah. That is why, uh, for instance, I would recommend you to talk to uh, to Valery Pekar, for instance. He has a plan. What should we happen? What, what should world do with the with Russia? Once the war is over, and he's talking about the demilitarization, denuclearization, right? Decentralization of Russia, because ideally in that territory should be, we would like to see many independent countries, really young democracies that, you know, that, that want to live their life like with dignity. And I believe that this is, this is possible. Take a look at Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan always was under Russian impact culturally, politically, economically, and so on. But now they're pushing back. You know, they're, they are saying what they want to say. And that, that's, that's, very, that's a big change. And they want to, you know, the, they, they want to run their own agenda. And I believe that, and this is the sovereign state, okay? So this is a sovereign state that was under huge impact by, by Russia. Uh, but if we're talking about the publics that that are part of Russian federations, I think I hope that one day you'll see that we'll see that instead of you know big Russia, we'll see uh, sovereign, independent, democratic countries, uh, states where people live with, with dignity, because that's this will be the victory. Otherwise, we will have another invasion in ten years. And. One shorthand that I'm hearing in these spaces, in this one space, they say the war is over when the or the goal is so that Russia can't perpetrate war anymore. That's yes, part of it. Yes. But the other thing is, and I was just talking to an elderly friend who's been to St. Petersburg and Moscow. 
And she, she said, well, you know, everybody's saying all the Russians are bad. And so she's missing a point is what you're talking about, this acculturation. You're not even in a war situation. And your sort of direct report, your Russian manager is belittling you. So that huge cultural thing that they talk about in this one space all the time, it's the culture, it's a problem. 140 million people have got it completely wrong. That's, that is also sort of this the factor of this whole war. So it, yeah. to, to feed a culture is a much bigger project. So it's, I mean, they, yeah. yeah. Also the referral for me to you mentioned about your, some of your children's favorite books. There's something he's getting at there and I don't know what he's getting at. <laughs> Just tell us about their favorite books. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of uh, jo John Catlett Rowling. Do I pronounce it right? J.K. Rowling. Yeah, J.K. Rowling, yeah. Just, just call her by the initials. J.K. Okay. Uh huh. So I'm a big fan of J.K. Rowling. I've read all the books about uh, Harry Potter and I find them really genius and brilliant. And I'm happy that uh, my younger daughter, she started to read uh, the Harry Potter books as well. So she started doing, she's age, she started to do that in uh, March, if I'm not mistaken, or still in February. And she managed to complete the whole, uh, all the series of uh, of that book and some additional that goes uh, about the history of magic and stuff like that. So that was really helpful. And again, another another uh, opportunity to to say thank you, uh, to thank uh, J.K. Rowling for for uh, for the support. So. And your wife has, I understand, a line of some very beautiful crafts. And so is that uh, something that is able, she's able to sustain her with that? Or it's beautiful crafts for aid? Or what can you tell us about her enterprise amidst this war? Yeah, so my wife is an artist. She, uh, she creates poison, creates uh, uh, egg art. And uh, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that word. She creates which? Poison. Uh, it's Easter eggs, but in Ukrainian, Plisenka uh, is an Easter egg. Uh, in Ukraine, it's called, we call Easter eggs Plisenka. It is created in different techniques. And uh, my wife uh, is doing, she, she you know, actually knows uh, plenty of techniques of doing that. And she's selling that uh, through Etsy, uh, like online, she's selling that online. What's and the name of that line? What's the name of it? So people can identify that on Etsy. It's not Arty's Etsy. It's Etsy. You know, the Etsy, the, the website. Right, right. But her line to recognize. It's not Arty's studio. It's so a... my, my wife has a shop on Etsy. It's called not Arty's studio. Oh, uh, okay. How, and, how is not Arty spelled? Uh, not Arty is like N-A-T-A-R-T-I. Uh, and then like studio studio okay not artist not studio okay hold good. on i need to i need to check okay I take a moment she started but the when uh, the war started and uh, we obviously collected a lot of money for the purpose of the army and she started to to uh, give her artworks personally i mean this egg art but her paintings as well to different auctions to collect money from people and then to buy necessary stuff for Ukrainian military. And also uh, Natalia was, my wife is called Natalia. So she was connecting with various organizations abroad, mainly in Poland to help provide supplies for hospitals 
in uh, regions that were damaged by Russians or uh, that are occupied, and that, but they still need some some stuff, for instance, for the maternity uh, houses. So I mean that it you know in every family people are are doing something everything that they can to you know to support Ukrainian fighters. Oh, but you're it's, providing I... support, and this is very important, and this is again very much appreciated. And will be never forget it. Oh, please, please.